You know what? I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. The show goes on. This is my home. This is the Five Point Play Podcast. The Die Hard Duke Basketball Fans Podcast. We are excited to announce that we are officially sponsored by the Duke Blue Brotherhood Forum. Mm -hmm. This is your one-stop shop for all the latest intel about the team, Duke recruiting, and more. You'll find AC and I on the Duke Blue Brotherhood Forums every single day. Come chop it up with us. The link to uh, sign up for the Duke Blue Brotherhood Forum will be all over our social media, so definitely check them out. Uh, AC, it's been a week or so since we've had our last podcast. Man. Has anything exciting? Has anything exciting happened since we last took the mic? I think if you remember the last the last episode was we were like we were we were pretty down, right? Like as a as Duke Nation, we were all pretty down, and then just a, a miracle happened, and this team found something, and they turned that something into so far what has been gold, dude. Like the team has played. I mean, just out of their mind, like so much better than what we had seen leading up to these last four games. Like this four, these last four games is like a totally different season for this team. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to talk about, um, you know, how well we played. Uh, the shooting of Matt Hurt has just been unconscious. Mm -hmm. uh, something to behold. Uh, Mark Williams has played excellent. But we have to start at the top. And that is we are down to do one it. player. <laughs> yeah. And it's almost like AC. It's almost like we predicted this would happen back in December. Mm -hmm. If you remember correctly when he got hurt, look, we're, we're not going to sugarcoat this thing. That's not what we do. Some people don't like it, but here's the truth. He was playing soft. Jalen Johnson was playing soft. We didn't feel like his heart was in it. and We wouldn't have been surprised if he left uh, when he got, you know, quote, unquote, injured back in December. AC, write this one down for us. He's He's no longer here. Uh, I'll just let you have the money. Whatever you feel like you want to say about the situation, who's right, who's wrong, you know, how they handled it both on the Duke side and on the Johnson camp side, uh, just take the floor. Yeah, I mean, honestly, really the only thing I have to say about it is I think everybody did what they had to do. Like Jalen, he had no interest in being in college anymore. I don't know if that's how he felt from Jump Street. I don't know if – you know, no fans in the stands and all that stuff. I don't know if that hurt him. Uh, he's, he, it might have, you know, who knows. But for whatever reason, no need to even try to speculate on it. The, the truth of the matter is he left. He left the school, not the school, but he, he left the team. He opted out the rest of the season. Good for him if that's his decision and that's what he needs for, for what he needs for the future. And good for Duke to move forward and be able to put together what has been, you know, a great game plan to to cover for his loss so you know he statistically he had been he had been really 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 good for most games this season it's just that it wasn't consistent like it wasn't consistent like it, it, there would be stretches of him playing well in a game and then he disappears or creates a bunch of you know mistakes turnovers everything all the above and and then to not you know if, if you have a teammate who's not in it clearly it affects the team and this team looked like they're, they're just beaten down by seemingly everything and then you know this happens they rally around them on social media and everything 
behind closed doors, who knows what was said. And then clearly they get on the floor and they've made this their their kind of rallying cry that, you know, we, we can we can do this. So, you know, the, the Joey Baker, we, we can do this thing from uh, from Louisville. So, yeah, I mean, we, we move forward, Duke moving on. The team has gotten better the last four games, and it's not just because we played cupcake teams. We've beaten two decent teams now in UVA, a really good team, and a decent team in Syracuse without Jalen Johnson. And this team is doing nothing but moving forward at this point. Yeah, um, you know, we'll talk about moving forward, uh, but to to just kind of get this one out, um, you know, Jalen Johnson, you know, his role had been diminishing, um, you know, for the last several games uh, mm-hmm. leading up to uh, a rumor that, you know, he refused to go back into the game uh, in the NC State blowout. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he played eight minutes, had zero rebounds, zero over two from, from the field, um, no assist, one steal, one turnover, and was three of five from the line. Uh, from a guy that came in in his first game and had, you know, 19 and 19, what a fall. Uh, what a fall. Yeah. 13 games that he played. Uh, we were five and eight in the games that he played. It certainly wasn't reflective of the type of player that he is, but, you know, it, it, it kind of was reflective of the inconsistent effort that he gave and potentially the way he was used. Um, you know, if you're going to be fair about it, potentially uh, the way he was used was not, you know, beholden to, to his talents and, and what he could do. But it could also be that the roster didn't fit with what his game uh, suggested either. So talk about his game. Talk about the fit. Now that he's gone, do you think that his game was really a fit here? Do, we think, do you think that we were using him incorrectly? Or do you just think it was, you know what, it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't right? I think it's just that it wasn't right. Yeah, I I don't think this is a Trevon Duvall situation where, with with Trey Duvall, you know, they put him on the perimeter and make him shoot jump shots. This wasn't this type of situation. Like he had the ball in his hands, he turned it over at a crazy rate. He had opportunities in transition to do what he does, which is either take it to the basket or or give it up to his teammates. And he he wasn't taking care of those opportunities. We talked about it on this podcast so often how maddening it was to watch a kid who in warmups is all over Instagram, you know, doing doing East Bay dunks and such. And then he gets into the game and puts up soft finger rolls when he gets to the rim. Like, we, so his usage was, in my opinion, his usage was fine. And who knows who knows how they felt, but from a fan's perspective, it, it didn't look like his talents were being wasted. What looked like was being wasted was his energy and his effort. And, like, truthfully, he did not seem like he wanted to be here in terms of his game. I think he fit the team. I think he would fit the team the way we're playing right now because how many shots we're making. But I, I don't think he fit the squad that was on the floor when he was there. Like, we couldn't hit threes. We were terribly inefficient on offense at times. And defensively, he had to be on the floor with Matt Hurt. And that that limited being able to put somebody like Mark Williams on the floor. And I, I think he and Matt were out of position a little bit on, on the defensive side of the ball. If that's, if that's really the side we're going to say he didn't fit. So it's... It's a situation of a player who has – he's a multifaceted, multi-talented player. He has a lot of things that he does really well, doesn't do anything great, and definitely needs to improve in a lot of areas. But he's – I mean, he's a lottery pick. With his, with the size and athleticism that he brings, he's a lottery pick. And he's – you know, he, this is a business decision for him. So, you know what I mean? Like him playing eight minutes a game the rest of the season wasn't going to look good for, for scouts or whoever's watching. And obviously people are going to say – 
it doesn't look good for him to leave the team or whatever, but they, those scouts have a short memory when they go into the gym and watch him do his personal combine and he, he tests off the charts on everything. So he'll be fine moving forward and so will his team. Yeah, so that was going to be my last question on it, which is, you know, for him, um, how much does this affect his draft position? Um, you know, I, I, obviously the intangibles um, are going to be what they're looking at here. You know, you're, you're looking at uh, the fact that in basically, you know, 14 months, he's quit on two different teams, one of which is being Duke and Coach K, mm-hmm. uh, a guy that has no shortage of NBA players that speak highly of him. Uh, and 27 former players uh, from Duke in the league. What do they look at here when they evaluate him? Obviously, you know, the talent's there, but mm-hmm. what, it, it has to hurt, in my opinion. I I don't know how much it'll hurt him. But like, because even if he kept playing, his his play is what, his play the season already is what dropped his draft stock. I think before the, the season started, he was, easily a top five pick. And now I think he's somewhere in the lottery. I just don't know how low. So it, it, him leaving is not what, I don't don't think that's what drops, drops his, his, uh, his draft stock. I think his play is what dropped his draft stock. And so does that mean that, uh, you know, in the Jim Beheim versus Jay Billis, and I don't want to go into it because (laughs) it was ad nauseum listening to that, uh, that God. argument for the last two games. Uh, which side are you on on that? Jay Billis or, or Jim Behan in terms of what they both said? I think I pretty much agree with I, – I, I don't necessarily agree with Jay Billis. And Jim Beheim is just – it's low-hanging fruit for him to say <laughs> say what he's saying. Like, yeah. And it's not his team. That's the other part of it. Like, it's not your team. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? If, if somebody baited him with the question, I didn't see exactly how it got led into it. So if someone baited him with that question, then – it's kind of like the thing that happened earlier in the season with Kay uh, and, and the student reporter being you know, kind of being baited, quote unquote, with, with a question. If it was that type of situation, then, you know, he answered the question, whatever. But it, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think he was sitting there trying to slander Jalen Johnson, but he, he was saying that the team plays better without him. So, you know, and what? guess what? <laughs> we are. <laughs> so whatever. Yeah, we, like, we, we, we don't have to do about we, nothing to me. We are playing better. And um, whether that's, you know, him not being here or not. I don't know. It's, it's impossible to tell, but the, the results speak for themselves. That's why. Notre Dame, we just completely blew that game. Coming on the heels of another blown game against North Carolina, we figured we were finished. Just play, you know, for the future of, of the program. Mm-hmm. And then all we do is go out and blow out NC State, blow out Wake Forest, beat a top 10 UVA team in one of the best games all season. Mm-hmm. in all college basketball, and then blow out Syracuse. Matthew Hurt, as I mentioned, has been absolutely in fuego. Uh, you know, there aren't enough fire extinguishers in Durham to put all the put all the heat out. Um, mm-hmm. Just, I mean, break it down for us. What is different about this team except for everything? <laughs> I mean, really, I think you, you look at the de- defensive side of the ball for us. It is – we have we we were allowing teams on average to shoot over like fifty five percent in terms of effective field goal percentage, and then this stretch that number has been below forty four percent. And our three point percentage defense has been you know, worlds better from allowing you know over almost forty percent from three to uh, just just below th- or just at just at thirty one percent. So 
those those are two huge factors. You know, we all season it's kind of been the the running joke that some guy is going to have the best game of his life against Duke and he's going to hit seven or eight threes to do so. And but there's truth to that because we were we were pretty terrible in defending the three. And on top of that, we were terrible defending the drive. Like we were really terrible on everything on defense, quite honestly. And these last four games, we've locked into something defensively. And I I'm I'm almost willing to say that it is a hundred percent attributed to Mark Williams and what he's been able to do these last four games. Number one, get time on the floor. Number two, he's been the rim protector that we've needed all season long. Matt Hurt's been able to get away from being chained on the post in the on, in defense and be able to kind of do his help side thing, which we saw against Syracuse. He was he was actually pretty decent on help side defense, and and really that's kind of helped the guys on the perimeter to. It's kind of empowered them to be able to play you know tighter defense on the perimeter, stop allowing the blowbys, and and really focus in on on that three point percentage defense that we we really needed to focus on with this team and we hadn't been getting it all season. So I, I, it, the offensive side of the ball hasn't changed much other than, you know, some other guys are, are making shots. We're making more shots than we had been like, we're making shots at a ridiculous clip right now. Cool. We're still scoring about the same amount of points, maybe a couple points more, but really what we're doing is stopping the other team from scoring, which we couldn't do. Yeah. I think our defense has been really the the key thing to me. Um, I, I didn't expect it out of this team. Um, I think the other part is, um, you know, our ball movement offensively is much, much better. It's mm-hmm. so crisp. Um, you saw, you know, obviously against Syracuse, you know, whipping around the zone. You know, I thought that the uh, collective IQ of the team has really risen as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they are starting to figure it out. They're starting, and you still see some of those, um, you know, kind of boneheaded turnovers, but yep. they don't they don't keep happening, you know, like it, they'll be kind of one-offs and then you'll, then you'll see them make the right play. Mm-hmm. And turnovers um, so are about the same. Really yeah. what's been, ha- we, we, we haven't been allowing the turnovers to turn into points. Like that's the big, Correct. that's the big deal is we've, it was, we turned the ball over and then they go score. Now it's, we turn the ball over and we're either going to get it back via turnover or rebound or defensive stop. You know what I mean? Like we're stopping them from scoring now. Yeah, and I I feel like you know you hit the nail on the head. It, we got to talk about Mark Williams. Um, what he has talk about a guy. I, have you seen a Have you seen a player improve this much in a, such a short period of time? I feel like it's been two or three weeks, and the light has just absolutely turned on for him. And it's impossible to keep him out of the lineup at this mm-hmm. point because of all of the different things he's doing: rebounding, being a force in in the paint defensively blocking shots, altering mm-hmm. shots at the rim. Like you said, allowing Matthew Hurt to move off the ball, uh, off the off the block uh, defensively, even offensively, being able to allow him. To, Matthew Hurt is moving all over the floor now yeah. because he doesn't have to be anchored down in one spot. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's so impressive to be, uh, to be watching Mark Williams. The only analogy that I could come up with Duke-related is second half of senior year Zubek. You know, when he got inserted into yep. the starting lineup against Maryland and had, like, 15 rebounds and just kind of came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. that's the only thing I can pick up. It just, it's, it's so impressive to me. Yeah, it, that's actually – I think that's the perfect comparison individually. Not saying that this team is 2009, 2010. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that Zubek's individual improvement is very similar to what Mark is showing this year. Exactly right. And he's doing all the hustle stuff. Like, the game in Syracuse, he basically – 
I mean, that that was I mean, just the lobs to be able to lob the ball to him in the back of that zone like that was just you you wouldn't have seen that earlier in the season. I mean, they they missed so many of those opportunities early on, and you could see it kind of wearing on him and the team because it was like, oh, we don't necessarily want to throw it that way because you know it's not going to work. So him him being able to get on the floor, get that time, and he's one of those he's clearly one of those players that needs that. Like I think Henry Coleman is another one. I think I think you we talked about it earlier in the season as well with Henry, like the more he played, the more you could see him getting comfortable. Some guys are just like that. It's like, you know, they, they look uncoordinated or whatever else. And really it's just a game flow thing. Like they're, they think they're out there thinking too much as opposed to just playing all, all those little things happen to people. And I think that was clearly what was happening with, with Mark and Henry to a degree where they're not out there thinking anymore. They're just, they're playing the game and it's, it's beautiful to watch. Yeah, and and so you know we had the three games that that we blow out, you know, NC State, mm-hmm. Wake Forest, Syracuse, uh, but clearly the game of the year for Duke uh, was at home Saturday night against mm-hmm. UVA. Um, I went into that game somewhat optimistic that we were going to find a way to win. I just, to me, you could just see something. You know, sometimes you just feel it. Yep. Um, where you, you're like, I, I feel optimistic. I was at home. Uh, you know, my dad, my, my brothers are asking me about the game and uh, what do I think? And, you know, they're giving me shit because I'm like, I, I think we're going to win this game. Right. I'm just telling you, this is, I think we're going to win this game. Yeah. Um, it's just the way we're playing. You can slowly see the light coming on. Um, the way we're shooting the ball, we're going back home. We're fighting for our, you know, tournament life at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you believe it or not, I think that we removed, um, you know, a, a negative from our team uh, in addition by subtraction. And I think that everybody's rallying around this thing. Yep. Um, so coming into this game, I felt optimistic. Coming into this game, did you feel as optimistic as I did? Uh, and and what did you see you coming out with? Because uh, I thought overall they played extremely, extremely well. Yeah, no, I... I, I don't know how I felt. I, was, I, I didn't know how I felt. Like it, it was, but it was really it, it was inconsistent. Like one minute I'm like, I think we can win this game, and then the next minute I'm thinking I'm like, I don't know. Like we, like I didn't know if we could keep up the shooting that we had during the NC State and Wake games, and that's kind of what was. It's what was keeping me from feeling like we could win the game, and really we didn't shoot great. Like we shot thirty nine percent from three as a team which isn't bad. Like on average, that wouldn't be bad for a whole season, but we had come into the game over 50% almost with or over 45%, excuse me. And coming into that game from three, we were affected from two, but this was a game. Like statistically, if you looked at it, you would think, Oh, we would have lost this game because UVA shot 50% from the floor. They shot 80% from the line. We shot 55% from the line during this game. We had 19 rebounds. They had 31 rebounds. Like, they killed us on the boards. And, you know, everything else is about even. Turnovers, all the above, all those things were about even. Like, it looks like we should have lost that game. But we, this team, made fight plays. Like, and this is something that we hadn't done all season. We had not fought all season. We had not had passion all season. And we brought all of that in this game. And that was that was the difference. Like, we made winning plays because of passion and emotion. This is one of those games that if the crazies were there, you know, they would attribute it to the crazies because they gave them so much energy and everything. This team gave themselves their own energy this game, and that's truly what got us over the hump. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that because, uh, you know, you hate 
um, you know, talking about the energy and, you know, the scrappiness and that's what led to win because there's always, you know, statistical things out there that we can point to. Mm-hmm. But but really, this team, uh, and you said it, you know, we, we, we've argued about the, the fans, you know, um, this entire this entire season, you know, what impact do they not being there have on this team and, and all the others? And I do think it does play a fat but a uh, point, but you know, to your to your uh, point earlier, it is uh they're finding their own energy again. Start mm-hmm. no look no further than Jamin Brayfield. Mm-hmm. You know, that guy, he had probably his best game in a Duke uniform against UVA in the biggest game yep. we've had. Eleven points, four blocks, five boards. Mm-hmm. Had that huge N1 uh, in the second half with that, you know, on the floor at <laughs> the camera. Like a Dude, that picture, that that picture sums awesome. up. I mean, that's, that's yeah, what I'm talking about. That sums about. it up. That I mean, picture sums it up, man. Now, that is, that picture with his tongue out and the, looking at the camera and such, that is exactly – that is that is what this team – had. The, the swagger. We had not had any of that all season. And you saw it. You finally saw it. Like, we didn't look like deer in headlights. We didn't look like, oh, my God, what's happening to us. Like, that's how we looked like genuinely how we looked for 15 games this whole entire season. And, and these last four, including mainly that UVA game, like those faces were different, man. Yeah. We, we weren't going to be denied, you know, even when mm-hmm. UVA took that lead uh, toward the end, um, you know, built it to four or five. And, and, you know, when you're playing UVA, that can seem like 10, mm-hmm. uh, we never quit. We never quit. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. you know, Matthew, Matthew Hurts is kind of, put the team on his shoulders. And that's one thing we haven't had all year. Yeah. Um, really was that go-to guy, a guy that we can just give the ball to and say, Hey, look, we need a bucket. We need a bucket. You got to get it for us. Mm-hmm. And that was Matthew Hurt, you know, going eight of 13, five of eight from three, every shot that he puts up right now looks like he's going up. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's taking contested shots, dude. Like UVA, it's not like they were leaving him open. Like Sam Hauser was all over him. Jay Huff was all over him in points. Like, I mean, Matt was just unconscious, dude. Like, he had that – I put it up on Twitter. He had that one pro-step move where he's on the block. He gives gives the the jab into Sam Hauser's check, chest to back him up and then puts up the fadeaway jumper on him. It's like, Jesus, dude. Like, and, and, then, and you see that he's, like, number 60 on draft boards, and I'm like, how is that possible? Like, what he's doing is insane, man. Yeah, I don't know how often they update, update the draft boards, but – uh, the way he's played his last four or five games, um, shooting at a, a remarkable clip. Um, you know, I think his his last uh, 25 threes or something like that, he's made mm-hmm. like 18 of them. Yeah. Um, and it's just like he's shooting like 75% from three. Yeah. Uh, and and they from are, the field. He's like, like he's, 70% from the field, 75 from three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah, just, it's, yeah it, it's absurd. So huge win for Duke. Um, you just can't talk enough about the collective uh, resolve and give a shout out to the staff uh, as well, because it would have been so easy for this team to roll over and die. Um, you know, we had no faith in, in the rest of this season, that's for sure. We were just mm-hmm. specifically saying at the end of the last podcast that we just hoped uh, that the guys that are going to be coming back next year got the time that, you know, they needed to to kind of go through the growing pains and get that valuable experience. Well, yep. shit, they're <laughs> getting it, and it's coming in. It's coming in wins, three of which are convincing. Um, Absolutely. So, so AC. Now let's talk about the roster. Duke finally has what seems to be a starting five 
that they can rely on every single game going forward. No more, you know, messing with the starting lineup. And a, a solid rotation of four guys. Um, some are going to play more than others, depending on how they're playing that particular game uh, mm-hmm. and b- based on the matchup. But we, we got to feel good about what, where this team, you know, roster-wise is set up. Yeah, it's it's like you said, the starting five has been in place now. And that's, you know, we we were calling for that at the beginning of the season. And maybe it was too early for it. I don't know. But it's here now. So here we go. We got it. And we're we're fighting fighting for our tournament lives with it. So I'm I'm glad that we do have a, a set rotation at this point. I, I think that's beneficial to this team. I think that's allowing them to to play in a rhythm and get used to playing with each other. Pause. And uh, and really, it's 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 been refreshing to see because that's that's what you see out of good Duke teams. You see a set lineup. Like when a coach is continuously changing things and changing the roster and changing the lineup like that's it's clear that there's something wrong there like it's clear that something is not working and the coach is trying to figure it out well now we have the same thing running and you know we had the starting five even prior to these these four games so you know it wasn't working to start and then now it's working so i'm like i'm loving it i'm loving how they're playing together everyone is playing better the, the guys just they like you said the ball movement's been insane the, the way we've been able to pass, like it looks like a totally different team. Like the, the passes are measured. Like we're, we're seeing the passes in good spots. We're not just throwing it away. Like earlier in the season, you know, I talked about Jeremy coming down and just giving the ball up like, like a, like a high school point guard almost. And now he looks like a college point guard. Like he looks like someone who's probing the defense, finding the, the right pass for scores. Really the only gripe I have is that I don't think they let Matt touch the ball enough at times. Like you got, you got to give him a touch every possession almost it seems, but still like there's really no gripes there. And then defensively, this team has figured out who they are. Guys are in the right positions. You got Mark Williams out there playing the, the, the defensive side of the ball down low. He subs out. You got Henry Coleman coming in. So guys aren't out of position. Wendell gets to play that, that big forward spot at the three where he doesn't have to guard power forward. So often he's guarding, he's guarding, you know, the strong guard or, or the ball handling guard at times. Jordan Goldwire has been giving us great energy and effort on defense, which I think kind of balances out some of the mistakes he ends up making on offense at times. It's it's been good, man. The the, the whole squad's been they've settled into their roles. I think they know what to expect, and that always always helps a player when they know what to expect. They just go in and they get get it done for whatever time they're going to be on the floor, and then they come back out. Like it's been great. So, and then you know, last time we'll kind of touch on it. I think Jalen leaving has opened the door again for Jamin and he's taking advantage of it, man. He's playing his tail off. And that's, that's another factor in this. Like he's playing the way he's playing is, is really what you would expect from, from somebody who's coming off the bench or whatever and giving you energy minutes and such. He's doing that and more like he's, he's taking the ball. You saw him against UVA, those drives, he was made strong drives. He was making against UVA, man. That was great. Great to see for him and for the team. Yeah, you know, Jamin is one of those guys that, you know, he lives and plays off his energy. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, before this four-game stretch, it was really, you know, what happened to Jamin? You know, it was mm-hmm. – I feel like it felt like all the energy was sucked out of his game. He wasn't getting the regular minutes, wasn't playing with that same verve that he had before. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's directly related. It's, it's impossible for me to know that, but – Certainly, the opportunity is now there for him, and he's taking full mm-hmm. advantage of it. Uh, and that's what you love to see. And, and you touched on uh, Jeremy Roach, and um, you know one thing that 
we both called for uh, at the end of the last podcast was, hey, start Jeremy and DJ the rest of the way together. Um, because mm-hmm. we were looking, you know, toward the future. Um, apparently the future is now, but it has been great to see uh, not only them really starting to mesh very, very well together. They're playing with a lot of confidence knowing where each other is going to be. Um, yes, that will pay dividends for next year, which is awesome. That's what we want. Um, but give give some credit to, to Jordan Goldwire um, because, you know, he took said, hey, look, yep, I'll go back to the bench. Uh, coming off the bench, like the two guys start, and nothing changes for Goldbar. He's still the same player that he always was. Um, he gives you that hustle, he gives you that energy. Uh, he does play well defensively. He's playing better defensively now in these last four games than he has the entire season. Uh, oh, yeah. He's making those steals that we knew about, kind of playing like the glove. Um, you love to see that. He hit a couple big threes against Syracuse. Uh, he was hitting you know, layups, bro. <laughs> and he was hitting layups, and when he's hitting layups, he more things are going well. Uh, but no credit credit to him because he does annoy the hell out of me a lot of times on offense. Uh, yep. But uh, it, it does take a big man of character um, to to have a starting role, go to the bench, let two freshmen start in your place, and still be able to bring that leadership, bring that consistency in when you come in, whatever your, whenever your number is called. And you got to give credit to him for that. Absolutely, and and like you said, he's. I think it, it almost just like everybody else on the team. It seemed like he had too much on his plate at times too, like. He took it upon himself at times to try to be the guy to maybe maybe show the freshman, you know, this is what we have to do to win. Like he he was trying to score, he was trying to to put buckets up for us and things at times. And we had a couple losses in those games where that was happening. And not saying he's the one who caused the loss. It's just that because some other guys weren't stepping up, he had to do it. And you don't want to rely on him to have to do that. So now you don't have to rely on him anymore to do those things. And he can just come in and play his game. Like everyone right now with this rotation is able to just come into the game and play their game. That's it. That's bottom line. What it is like everybody and, and knows their role. Ab- absolutely. And that's the thing, like all season, like the, the argument has been, you know, with the pundits and, and everybody else that we're talking with, it's like, is this team, look, is this team even talented? They're not even talented. It's not that they, it was never that they weren't talented. And we talked about that. We said that on this podcast, it was never a talent issue it was always a, this team doesn't work issue. Like they, whatever was happening, it didn't work. And now it's working. And you, you see the talent that the team has. You see the talent that Matt Hurt has. You see the talents that Mark Williams brings to the table. You see the talents that Jeremy Roach and DJ Stewart bring to the table. Like you're seeing it all now. And, and clearly this is a good team. Like we are, we're not ranked right now. Obviously we're still fighting our way in, but if you take, the last four games and and look at them as you know in a bigger picture type of fashion like they're playing like a top 15 top 10 type of team like statistically but you know we'll see if we can continue this that's the big thing can we continue this and make this into something yeah and you know one thing i kind of look back on uh and we'll get to this in just a second with the bubble talk uh is just that is this coming to fruition now that we didn't have the, the preseason we didn't have so many of those exhibition games um, or those non-conference, you know, cupcake games um, where, you know, Coach K can experiment. He can, you know, try different lineups and try to figure out what works. And then, you know, by January 1st, you kind of know what you got. You know, we didn't have that, obviously. And I know, I know a lot of other teams didn't either, but we're a very young team, probably the youngest we've ever had. Um, aren't we just now seeing that we know what we have now, the experience is coming in, and we're kind of hitting that that peak where we normally hit it in early mid January, 
uh, we're hitting it now in mid-February. Is that fair to say? Um, I mean, that's what it looks like. But I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know that playing playing Maine and you know Gardner Webb and everybody else. I don't know if that would. I don't like in a normal season. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what this team like. It's it's so tough. Like it's hard to measure that because we, you know, we didn't have an off season. We didn't have the preseason. We didn't have uh, the pre-conference schedule. We didn't have any of those games and they are big games. Clearly. Like obviously this team suffered because of it. I think we might've come to this conclusion a little bit earlier. If we had those games, I just like, there's so many factors with this team, man, truly. Like there's so many factors with the team. Like, and, and you still like hate to do it. You still have to factor in, what, who knows what would have happened if if, if Jalen had that preseason, you know what I mean? Like, maybe he would have found his niche a little earlier. Maybe he would have enjoyed things a little bit more or whatever. Who knows? Like, it's there's so many immeasurable things that led to get us where we are right now that we're here. Like, it's just, it is what it, like, we're here now. So, you know, God, you got you have to look at this team almost as two different teams. Like, the NCAA tournament committee does that. They they look at a, a team before a player's injury and after a player's injury, and they they seed like that sometimes. And it's almost like you almost have to do the same thing here. Like this team, this is this wasn't a tournament worthy team, and it is now. And you know that not having those early slate games, it definitely it definitely hurt us for sure. You know the good news is that we do have our rotation now. Um, Coach K loves this loves this group. You can tell the confidence that he has in this in this team, in the rotation that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the last four games have been a hell of a lot of fun, um, and the UVA game was by far the the most jacked up I've been watching yep. the college basketball game this entire season, uh, even without the even without the crowd there. So that was a lot of fun. But with those four wins, now comes the bubble talk. I know yep. that your boy Joey Brackis, uh, mm-hmm. who predicts with a ninety two percent clip. Uh, who's going to be in the NBA or in the NCAA tournament? Um, you know, my four-year-old niece can do that. Right, but I was about to say it's not. You know, and, <laughs> you look that, outside that, and say sunshine sunshine or but, not. Like. But, but you know, but, but you know, the thing is, is that uh, this is a perfect opportunity for ESPN and you know oh, CBS yeah. and whoever to melt this for everything it's worth. Absolutely. Um, now let's get this out of the way real quick. Um, the NCAA needs Duke in the NCAA tournament. You cannot have two straight years without an NCAA tournament. You can't have another one with, you know, a, a, without fans only at 25% clip um, and then not have your biggest brand, uh, both school and, you know, coach program, whatever, uh, in the tournament when you need them more than ever uh, yeah. because of what the NCAA tournament provides. So we do know that as long as Duke kind of takes care of business, it's going to be very similar to um, you know, the college football playoff where Cincinnati, Ohio State was always going to get in. They were going to mm-hmm. move heaven and earth to make sure that they were going to get in um, because you needed that brand there. Um, I feel like it's going to be very similar here. Uh, look, <laughs> sorry for the Cinderella's, uh, but, you know, Duke is the big dog. They're going to get the benefit of the doubt, and I think that they should. Now, having said all that, let's talk about just you know where we are now. We're eleven and eight. We're nine and six in conference. We have three regular season games left. Um, where are we? What do we need to get to? What do we need to do in the ACC tournament to be secure in where we are for the tournament? 
we we got to beat Louisville. We got to beat UNC. I, I I honestly think we can. I, I don't want to see us. I, we don't need it. Like it's, this is not a situation where oh we need to lose a game to understand who we are. No no no. We did enough losing already. Like so I'm not. I don't even think that. I don't. I I think we. I still think we beat Georgia Tech as well. It's just that's that's a game. If we lost to Georgia Tech, right? I, I don't think it. Us beating or hurt or losing to them doesn't change our resume because they're they're just below us in the the next four out, I believe, and they're a team that it, it's just kind of like an I don't know. It, they're like an anti-bubble team. Like it doesn't matter. Like what happens with them doesn't matter. But we got to beat UNC. We got to beat Louisville for sure. If we go two and one in the next three, we got to win first weekend. I would or first game. I would assume in the ACC tournament to be safe. Like we'd we'd be safe in that regard. If we went out, I think we can make it without winning a game in the ACC tournament. But you know, fuck it, let's just let's win. Let's win some games. Like let's keep let this keep, team keep winning and show and build some kind of momentum going into this tournament. Because I think I think with the right seeding, I think we can make some noise in the tournament. So we let's win. Let's win. We got to beat Louisville. We got to beat UNC. Like those are those are two teams we have to beat. Those are tournament teams. Those are those resume building wins. And we do that. Nobody else really has who's above us at the moment has a resume that's better at that point, like between record conference, everything else. Like we have, we have a better, better resume than the next line of teams that get into the tournament. So we, we put ourselves in a great position by winning. Like we control our fate at this point. Yeah. I think to me, if we win, I think we, I think we have to win our next three games. Hmm. Um, You know, if we somehow slip up against UNC, in a close game, but then go on to win a couple of games in the ACC tournament and lose in the finals, depending on where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe we'll be in the quarterfinals to start. Who knows? Oh, if we go um, semifinals and above in ACC tournament, I don't see how you keep us out. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. But I almost think that, you know, if, if we're able to win the next three games, mm-hmm. our last three games, uh, assuming that they don't put anybody else back on the, on the, on the map, right. which I don't think that they will. Um, Assuming we do that, that puts us at fourteen and eight and twelve and six. Yep. Oh, we're uh, in. We win the next three. You know There's what I mean? I no think that, that's probably good. It won't look good if you lose your first game in the ACC right. tournament. But you know, I almost want to flip it around. Um, the way this team is playing, and you know, knock on wood here, uh, if they continue to play this way, I don't see why it's crazy to think that this team can win the remaining games that they have in the ACC and potentially the ACC tournament. Um, we haven't played Florida State. We haven't seen them yet. Probably not a great matchup for us. Um, but why, why not? You know what I mean? It's almost yeah. now. It's like, why, why can't we? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's and, and you want to win those games. Like, you you want this team to, to be put in that position because that means we're doing something. Like, that means we are – we're going out and we are taking advantage of the opportunities that we have. We're, we're winning games. and And – you need like we need to win games like so yeah i mean it's it's highly it's it's highly possible we make the NCAA tournament now when before we didn't think it was possible and it's it's possible for us to make noise in the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament again depending on seeding so the the team is gelling we're playing well there's going to be some kind of a regression but because of that UVA game i feel better about that because even if we aren't shooting at a ridiculous clip and assisting on 70% of our baskets we're still able to to fight a victory out. Like that's that's helpful, man. And that's I think it looks good. And like you said, the other factor is it's Duke and it's the NCAA tournament. And if there's any 
any like semblance of, of reason why we should be in the tournament, the, the committee's gonna they're gonna have to pull that trigger and make that move. Like it'd be stupid not to, especially the way this team is playing. Like this team right now is playing like a tournament team. It's it's one of those John Calipari teams we've seen in the past with Kentucky where they go they're just stupid in the beginning of the season and all of a sudden they start gelling and then they're like the most dangerous eight seed in the tournament. Like it's the same thing here. Like we're we're a very dangerous squad that's gonna get seeded and, and you know it's gonna it's gonna be that's like that's a dream for the the tournament committee to be able to to make Duke like a a seven or an eight seed or even a twelve seed for God's sakes and and put us in a position to have to play that first weekend or whatever. So it's it's a dream scenario for them and for Duke to even be talking about dancing right now is is awesome for these guys because it shows the work they put in. Yeah, I, I can't say it enough. And and I'll be honest, um, you know, you heard the last podcast. If you were here. You heard we, we were down, we were done. Yeah. Um, you know, and I meant we as me and AC, we, we were we, we figured this season's over and let's just focus on the future. Um, so so I just can't give enough credit uh and kudos to these players that could have easily rolled over and quit. Um, nobody would have even batted an eye. You have every excuse in the book. Uh, you know, your best player leaves, um, you know, the COVID stuff, no fans, the cancel games. Um, you know, you have every excuse, but they didn't. They they kept fighting, and um, you know, if we keep going the way we are. Uh, it is going to pay dividends, and you just know it's going to. So let's get to a couple of predictions then. AC, you already hey. said it. we have Louis, we have Louisville um, Saturday, six p.m. ESPN. Do we do we avenge our, our loss and, and get this one? Yeah, I think so. I think we win this one by double digits. Louisville is a team that is. Funny that they're right now firmly a tournament team, according to everyone, and they've struggled just as much as we have. We called them kind of our sister school earlier on because we're going through some of the same problems that, that they were going through with just, you know, not being able to win games, the way the roster was made up and everything. But, you know, here, here we are again, and we lost to them by five last time when, you know, Jalen probably had one of his worst games outside of the the eight-minute fiasco, but he didn't have a great game. Jordan Goldwire kind of was trying to shoot us out of it. That wasn't working. We're a totally different team now, totally different team. And they're the same team at this point. So, you know what I mean? If we're, if we come out and we're making those winning plays and doing those winning things, we got this game. This is ours. And so no need to beat it into the, to death. Let's, let's control David Johnson. You know, let's, let's control the, the Louisville guards and let's get out of this thing with a, with a 79 to 65 victory. Yeah, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but um, I am just stunned uh, that we haven't even mentioned Wendell Moore in this entire podcast. Uh, he has played excellent basketball. He mm-hmm. still has a few boneheaded times uh, per game where he gets himself up into the air with absolutely nowhere to go. Yep. Uh, but he's shooting the ball better. He's playing more confident. He's definitely more comfortable with what his role is. I, I think that you can see uh, with him that you know, the weight of the world isn't on his shoulders anymore. Right. Uh, and, and I think that he's going to be an integral part in, in winning this game, avenging this loss. I think that he wants to lead this team. So I like your, I like your prediction. Uh, I'll, I'll give you 78 to uh, 71 um, against right. Louisville. And then we, our first game in March, I can't believe it was already March, uh, March 2nd, 8 p.m. Uh, on the ACC network mm-hmm. in Atlanta. We got to take this one. I feel like we're going to. I'll give you a score first. Um, I think that we play our best game of the year. 
Um, mm -hmm. Right before going to Carolina, give me 87 to 68. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of people are pegging us to lose this game because of like the, the pre Carolina, you know, hangover jitters or whatever you want to call it. The, you know, kind of like we lost against Miami again, different team. And I'm everybody's, you know, Jose Alvarado is going to go nuts on us. Or whatever. No, I, I don't think so. I think this is a game, especially the way our defense is playing. I think we shut that kid down this time. I think you get to see a good gold wire on him. I think you get to see a good Jeremy Roach on him and his life is going to be miserable. So same thing, big win on this one. I, I'll probably go even a little bigger. I'm going to say 80 to 60. A little bigger, huh? Pause. Uh, <laughs> there we have it. There we have it. Uh, you know, just, I mean, just a completely 180 from where we were. Totally we're sorry we, we, we missed you guys. Um, we had a couple things come up on our end, but we are fucking back. Yes, sir. Duke basketball is fucking back. Don't ever call Duke the underdog. We are back. Let's go fucking get two more W's. And then we got UNC and Chapel Hill. Let's go, Duke. Let's go, Duke. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the Five Point Play podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And also check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Five Point Play podcast. Let's go, Duke.